Welcome to the Winning Move Podcast. I'm your host, Stratton Brown. I interview successful entrepreneurs from around the world to see what moves they've made in their lives to get successful and more importantly, stay successful. I'm here to make sure you can create a better life for you and your family. Let's tune in. Um, you guys are thinking about moving back out to California? Oh my gosh, we would love to. Um, but I mean, a couple of guys that I work out there with that are taking down some sub twos. I mean, obviously, who wouldn't want a property there? So, but I mean, I think we'd like to be a couple of different places. But obviously, Cali, with my husband being from San Diego, we we'd love to be there. So that'd be awesome. Yeah. I can't. I mean, we're getting out of here, and I technically live in Utah because it's so crazy. Um, I can't. I don't know why, but I just can't stand it out here. They told us. They said Gavin Newsom said no singing at Thanksgiving because people would get sick and you aren't allowed to have a certain amount of people in your house. And that's kind of where I was just like, yeah. And how do they regulate that though? Yeah. How do they regulate that? I, I have no idea. No idea at all. Um, so let's start so where off. Where are you going? I want to go to either Vegas or Houston. We thought about um, Utah, but that's just a little bit too much. So yeah, Vegas or Houston is mm-hmm. looking like what it's going to be. Nice. I mean, if I'm live in California, like I'd want to live in like Malibu. I don't want to live in Fresno, you know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, I want to live somewhere cool where it's fun and I'm around cool yeah. people. It is not that way at all over here. Yeah. So, Houston would be. Yeah. Let's start off with how you got started in real estate. Because Kyle told me you actually did luxury real estate for a while. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I um, started off teasing for some guy and I entered into real estate during the short sale time. So, okay. um, yeah. So I did short sales, um, got really good at that and started negotiating some of his deals. And at that point in time, I was like looking at his paychecks he was getting and I was like, I need to start doing my own thing. Everybody's like, Rochelle, why are you still doing his deal? So anyways, I went and got my real estate license and then I was a realtor for about 10 to 12 years and did the whole um, traditional side. So I did like, um, you know, 350 and then got a little bit bored with that. And then I thought, oh, I'll get into the luxury world. So I worked with um, Sotheby's for a little bit and did some- Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, and did some luxury real estate here out in Scottsdale. Um, paychecks were nice, but the people were very high maintenance, and you know what I mean. I just at that point in time, you kind—I just kind of got sick of it, you know, just the demanding, and nobody really respects your schedule, and not really being able to be in control because I was a mom and wife and all these different things. So I did that for a while, but I was always very interested in the investment side of it, and so. Um, that's when I transitioned, um, into, you know, learning investment wholesale and all of this different stuff. So yeah, I was a realtor for a while before I stepped into the investment world. So why did you choose to go up to Sotheby's and all the luxury real estate? Um, just because I knew they had the marketing, um, when you're dealing with that type of client, um, your brokerage is really important. Um, you know, your first impression, things like that. So I knew that uh, if I wanted to have that type of client, I need to have a brokerage that did all of those different bells and whistles and all those different things. So um, I just 
did what I always do and walked in there and said, hey, you know, want to work with you guys and did everything I needed to do. So that's kind of why I went over there, though, because I knew they had the presence that I needed for that type of client. And why did you choose to do luxury? Was it just the paychecks were bigger? And so you said this is the way to go. I want to do everything all the time. So I'm always like, you know, I, I did traditional. I get bored. And that's another reason why I get not into the investment side, because it's never the same. Like the transactions are never the same. So after I had done residential for such a long time, I was just super bored. So I thought, OK, let me I want to deal with a different type of client, having to worry about like pre-qualifications and money, you know, lending and things like that. And so um, just to try it out and to see what that world was like. Um, of course, the paychecks were amazing, super, super, you know, like an upgrade. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then there's pros and cons with everything else. So um, it was definitely a full time job, even more so dealing with that type of client because they they want that type of service, you know, and they're sometimes entitled a little bit. Some are nice. You, you get different, you know, people that are new to money and people from money. So so I just wanted to try it out and see what it was like. That's awesome. And so I'm finally done sharing it into the freaking Facebook groups. This is Rochelle. She's my transaction coordinator. She handles transactions all across the country. Her company is now nationwide handling. A, is it mainly creative finance? Is that you specialize in? Or is yeah, that that's our niche, but we can do anything, any any type of real estate, yeah. And she has saved our creative deals pretty much. I just have to ask Rochelle if anything's going to work. And happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> she has been a godsend for us. And so you got started off in luxury. And then what did you do after luxury? And then why did you get back into real estate? And what's going on, Gerald? What's going on, Mike? What's going on, Matt? up guys yeah so um like i was saying i just i got into luxury and then i was a little bit bored with it so are you asking me like how i got into the investment side is that what you're asking me yeah because you went what did you do in between for one well after i was done doing luxury real estate with sotheby's i decided to um tap into like the director of operations for and i went and worked for keller williams so I went there, started off with a high performing team and then step into that world of just kind of overseeing things. Like literally, that's what I'm telling you. Like I like to try, you know, to see what I want to do. And I'm like, can I do this? And then someone would tell me, you can't do that. And I'd be like, well, okay, well now watch me do it. <laughs> so I'm going to do it now. So, so I went and did that. And I, I felt like I had explored on every level of what traditional real estate was on um, management level and far as being like a realtor myself. And I had just always had a um, an inclination of wanting to get into the investment world, just knowing my personality of it being so different. There's no template. People ask me for templates all day long. Which I'll show me a template for sub two or creative finance. And every deal is like a fingerprint. It's all so different. And with my personality, I knew that would be something where I could thrive, where I was always learning, where I wouldn't be bored. And so that was, I set myself up and kind of, prepared myself to be able to provide value to someone. And I knew a couple of the big players here in Arizona. So I just watched them and waited for the opportunity to be able to provide some value. And when that came, I jumped on it. And you, you still handle all paces transactions, right? Yes. Yeah. All paces. And do you handle most of the sub two groups as well? Or how does that work? 
Yeah, for the most part. So um, I, you know, started off with sub two because of my boss case. And so anybody that wants to work with me in the sub two world, I'm available to them to be able to do that. And now that we've branched off with constant clothes and we have a team, we're able to handle the volume. But the neat thing about it is we can also take on any investor, you know, nationwide. So um, and I think sometimes that's what people don't understand is that we're not just there. I mean, that's where we branched off from, but we can help anybody nationwide. Yeah. And so you want to explain how elaborate the transaction is and how much you take off people's plates when you handle all the transaction coordination. Cause like I pass it to you and it's over with like we have title bullshit issues that pop up that we just talk about and how do we want to handle it. Right. But for the most part you handle everything. Mm -hmm. The best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's a good question. Cause a lot of people ask me that all the time and it's, you know, with you being a little bit more seasoned and knowing how to do like your purchase contracts and having your system, but we get we get into the transaction in the very beginning. So we can help people that are just new to the industry or people that are a little bit more well-versed. So um, you come to me when you have your agreed terms with your seller and I help you structure that and put that onto a purchase contract. If you have your own purchase contract, whatever that looks like and make sure that it's structured in a way as a form of protection for you as an investor. While we're doing that, um, like I was talking with Pace, it's more of a consult ser- you know, service to where we can say, hey, this is what you want to do. From my experience, this is what we should do. So it's helping from the very beginning to draw up that purchase contract, obviously working with title companies, um, closing attorneys, and just like a couple deals that we've done, self-performing some of those deals. So anything that a title company can do, I can do. Um, if it's like FHA, VA, something like that. And then so I handled all that paperwork. And then when you disposition it, meaning um, what you're planning on closing it out, whether it be an end buyer, whether it be you're signing it, whatever it might be, I'll also help with that paperwork. And then when we close the deal, depending on the type of deal that you're doing, you have to do things like servicing, like insurance or any, you know, it can get very complex. And so I will walk you through the way that we do things and the best way that we found, you know, insurance works, things like that. So it's really from the very beginning, even even after close of escrow. So we just make sure that it's done the right way. That reminds me, we need to switch over the insurance on Lyle. I haven't haven't done it yet. I got my notepad. Hold on. <laughs> oh my gosh, that could be bad. <laughs> yeah, we've had some crazy experiences in California, huh? It's been like it has been wild. Yeah. And so I think it you're so big for new and begin and and seasoned investors. Cause even for new people, I remember when I did my first deal, I was like, what the fuck is escrow? And I like Googled it, asked on Facebook, <laughs> and I just like got a document and I turned it in because even yeah. with the investor I worked with, he didn't show me how to open up escrow. And so I asked around like, bro, what do I do to open up escrow? And that is worth every penny if you just pay you to handle it and handle the transactions, especially if someone's getting started off and are doing creative finance. Because that's a lot right. more moving parts and a lot more liability going on. There really is. And I think there's a lot of things based upon experience that people don't even realize that they need to do, right? It's like so many different moving pieces. And I love that people want to take the action and learn how to do it on their own. But I always feel like it's beneficial for someone to at least have someone show them how to do it. And it's a one-on-one. Like you get access to me. We talk. We talk about it. We change things up, you know? And so I think it's a, it's good for them to at least try it out to be able to see, you know, things you can take away for your business too, you know? things mm-hmm. like that. So yeah. But 
And so when someone is just getting started, what would you say the biggest mistake they usually make is contract wise? Um, I think the biggest mistake that people make when they're just starting out is really getting overwhelmed with the contracts. And I feel like they feel once they have a signed contract, like they're done, like there's no room for editing it or for amending it. And I think people overthink the purchase contract. Um, are there different elements that you people miss when in the brand new? Absolutely. But I think the most important thing is just not overthinking it, getting the seller under contract and realizing that you can amend things through the process. You're not stuck. You know, I think the most important thing is just getting the deal closed as far as like locking it down with the seller. So I think there's a lot of overthinking when it comes to that. And then I think just people you know, not seeing the value of wanting to pay someone where that's their expertise. So I say that would be like the two things is one to overthink it. And another thing is if you need help, like reach out, you know, ask the questions, you know, so you can set yourself up ways. So that's what I would. Oh do. yeah. And the money, the money yeah. is so worth it to me because of, for me, the liability issue when we're doing sub two and how much money you save me. Um, the liability, the know-how, even, and then helping us find title companies has been huge out here. Like you have helped mm. us find the title companies throughout California that have handled it. We found one, they were shitty, found another one. They were less shitty, mm -hmm. you know, but at least you're there to help us find them because we had yeah. to go through a bunch just to do one deal. And we did one VA, one FHA. And then what's the other right. one? Another one that was regular that went pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And so when all that's happening, you work for pays, how do you manage your schedule? Like you're handling 30 plus transactions a month. Yeah, I think right now I have probably about 65 that we're handling, which is, which is crazy, but that's crazy. I know, but you know what? I've been talking about this with some of my um, colleagues. I honestly feel like being a mom has set me up so well in the business aspect. And I just don't feel like, people understand you know i have five kids and things like that managing my schedule i've been doing my whole life and so people think oh it's just something i learned in business no i learned that in my personal life and so i've also learned and been able to marry the two between my personal life and my business life to where i know that i have to have protected time i know that i have to have a schedule and i know i have to abide by it and i also got to set my boundaries so people understand yes i want to help everybody yes i want to answer your questions but at the same time i have to stay to that schedule so there are some things in my schedule that are non-negotiables that i'm you know whether it be like my family or something like that or a client but it's a very structured schedule and getting through my do list every single day you know i mean that's gonna get easier as we're hiring people but it's just really being able to plan your weeks out plan your daily activities out having that protected time and it really sets me up for success otherwise there's no way there's absolutely no way i could do it if i if I didn't abide by my schedule. So that that's what I do. And how do you how do you deal with people trying to eat your time and use you for free? Because I feel like that's another thing where people try and come at you and use you, but they don't want to pay your transaction fee. Like how do you handle that right. professionally and nicely? 
Um, I've gotten better at it. Naturally, I am one, you know, a woman and nurturer, like I all of those things, like I want to help everybody. And that is my personality. But I had to seriously do some personal work on myself to really realize what I'm worth, and how valuable my time is. And once I got that into check, and I was able to say, okay, like I can help you, I can do this and that. But when you're creeping in and paying me for one transaction, but we're going into five or six other transactions, I, I just have to be straight up with people and say, listen, you know, I want to help you. I want to do this, but this is how I provide for my family. And that's right. something to be able to relate on. You know what I mean? So I hope you understand that. Like we're friends, we're cool, but at the same time, you know, and then I have my paying customers. How do my paying customers feel if I'm taking that time away from them? You know, I mean, they paid me for a reason. So it's just really having to be straightforward, honest. And I think the longer I've been in the business, I've gotten better at that. I don't think I don't take things personal. If you don't want to hire me, that's perfectly fine. But if you do hire me, there are expectations that we both got to abide by. So exactly. And yeah. what is it? How do you what expectations do you set up at the beginning to make sure they aren't contacting you at crazy times, calling you at midnight, getting mad at you about a transaction? Because I feel like that's one thing someone could do, too, is like, hey, what, what's going on here? Blah, 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 blah. And people get really stressed. Mm hmm. I think the one thing I do is every time someone signs up with me, I mean, there's people that I've been in business with like you or other people that we kind of have our groove, but I just let them know, tell me, there are some people that pay me that don't want to learn. They, they pay me because they want me to handle things. So it's just really understanding what they're looking to get from this um, and then setting those expectations. Um, I find regardless though, to be completely honest, what expectations I set, everybody feel like there's emergency is the emergency. So do I still get those calls? Yes, but I don't answer those calls. You know, if you're calling me after business hours and there's no reason, you know, I just, once again, just got to operate by those boundaries, but you just kind of take it in strides. You set those expectations in the beginning. And that way, if they do come to me later saying, Oh, but this, this, and that, I'm just going to revisit that conversation that we had and say, listen, this is what we talked about, you know, but then you're always going to find people that are pissed off at you. Right. I mean, people are always, there's always someone you need to blame, you know, and it usually comes down on me, even though it's not my deal, but it's like, you know, you've got to be tough in this business. You've got to be able to just not take things personal. So, you know, it comes and flows and ebbs and waves, but you just learn how to handle it. So. And then I feel like the voice memos have been a lifesaver. I think I use voice memos the most with you. Yeah. It, it cuts down those conversations so much. And it's a voice memo. Hey, this happened. Okay. And then. The only nonsense we'd have, we'd hop on the phone and talk about it and hash it out, see how we want to handle it. Yeah. What is the craziest deal you've had to do that has just had the most hiccups? How'd you handle the hiccups? Uh-huh. Um, gosh, I've had a lot of crazy deals, but the one that comes, you know, since you mentioned Vegas, is me and um, Pace had a deal where we were doing a VA loan. And I had done all of my homework in the beginning and been like, okay, can you do a VA loan? We've done everything. Um, at that point in time, I think Pace was traveling. So I was trying to like get his schedule, fire, all these different pieces into play. We're at closing. I'm getting ready to be like, we're done. And day of closing, um, they told me they couldn't do the deal. And basically said, we can't do this transaction. Um, I had mobile notaries going out, all these different things. And so luckily I was able to get on the phone with like an amazing escrow agent there in uh, Vegas, uh, Whitney from Drake's Title, who is a freaking boss. And we were able to take care of it. But 
I would say things that happen like that last minute, because you know when closing comes, right? We have funds that need to be paid, the wires going out, so many different moving pieces. We have the mobile notary. So that one was nuts because they waited till the last day to tell us that we couldn't close, but we figured it out. Yeah. Did they say why they can't close? Because it was a VA loan, even though they knew it was a VA loan. So really? yeah. So I was, uh, yeah, my I was pulling my hair out <laughs> trying to get, you know, not cursing anybody out, not like good, but I felt like it. I was so mad, and but you know, it ended up leading us into an opportunity where if anybody's looking for an escrow agent, I refer um, her to everybody. She's amazing and just gets it done. She can do anything creative or anything like that. So it ended up, you know, having a positive effect of finding someone that I could do business with. But it was that that one was crazy. And another happy birthday to you from Anthony. What's going on, Ali? And <laughs> things off to Rochelle really has been the most amazing thing to do. And so how are you finding these title companies? What criteria do you use? How do you interview them? Because mm -hmm. I feel like now that's been a big chunk, especially now that you're going nationwide, is interviewing people to see if they can do business and if they do business the right way. Right. So um, it should Importantly, I'm looking for title companies, especially on the East Coast and some states like Oklahoma, things of that sort, that are willing to see the value of us providing them business. So um, I just have that conversation with them about the type of deals that we do, how we disposition those deals, and um, if they're able to handle those deals. And if they're not, and if they don't know what they're doing, can I come on and help you through the process? Um, obviously, we'd love to send business your way. So it's just, just basically educating them on the deals that we do, if they're willing to help us, what they can do. But every once in a while, you know, we have to get someone that does wholesale, someone that does creative. Um, so it's just, you know, having that conversation with them and letting them know what our business looks like and if they're willing, um, you know, to have some more business. So we've been pretty lucky in that in that part. But there are some states where it can be a little bit harder. But yeah, so that's just what I initially start off with them talking with them about that. What verbiage do you use? Like for wholesale terms or creative? Like, cause when you say creative, someone will say they can handle it or mm -hmm. someone will say, oh yeah, I can handle wholesale deals. And then you say it's an assignment and you want to do like a blind HUD mm -hmm. and they have no idea what you're talking about. Right. This is something that I tell the investors that I work with. Every state is different. Every company is different. So you got to be able to have that and know that you need to explain it to them. Cause you're exactly right. I'll say that and they'll be like, yeah, I can totally handle that. But they're thinking creative is wholesale. Um, and it's not. So it's really going into detail. I'll even provide them with like a purchase contract or something like that and break it down um, because that's the best way to do it. So we're not having that problem at close of escrow because people there are some people that just want the business. But when they get, you know, into the deal, they don't really even know, you know, the pieces or what's going on, the liability. And so I guess that would be what it is, is actually showing them and walking them through it. And then being flexible enough to know that the verbiage changes per state that you're in. Like we use performance deeds here in Arizona and other places they use deed in lieu of foreclosure and other places it's, you know, it, they don't call it an assignment. They call it, you know, so it's just, I, I'm learning through the process, you know, especially on the East coast. Um, but like I said, it's just having a, a business partner as far as a title company that's willing to be flexible, learn new things as I have to be too, when I'm, I'm learning, you know, new things in the state also. And how are you setting expectations with the title company as we go into it? Um, so they just know how our transactions are going and telling them, hey, this is what I want. 
and how you handle the pushback, like the first, what is it? The one in Lemoore that we did, the amount of pushback that we got from that lady. Mm-hmm. How do you, um, and then do you do deals in Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi? Yep, nationwide, 50 states. <laughs> so with that one, with the Lemoore one, um, I think part of this business is also being able to read people a little bit. you got to kill some people with kindness, especially with that deal. You won't mention the escrow agent on that one, but, you know, I had to treat her as the expert. Thank you. So, you know, approach her that that way to make things work out. So I think, you know, um, that was a crazy deal. But, you know, the expectations, I let them know, you know, we expect our premiums to be pulled all these different things we want to close on time. Who's my point account contact? What's your communication style like? That's really, really big because we find a lot of title companies are overloaded and they're not really looking at your file until three days before close of escrow. Yeah. So immediately, if I know I'm not getting an email weekly or at least every week and a half, I have to reach out and make sure that you know we're staying um, on track. And then you learn through making mistakes with people that, you know, just can't get the deal done. And we move on and we find other, you know, business relationships that are willing to get it done on time. Of course, Ali. And what is the name of your company, Rochelle? Constant Close. Constant Close. And where can they find out about it? And we'll have that this kind of in the middle so people know. Yeah, it's www.constantclose.com. Super simple. Okay, got constantclothes.com. And then are you, have you started investing yourself? Are you buying sub twos on your own? What does that look like now? Like, what are you trying to transition into? Oh yeah, I mean, gosh, it would be silly if I didn't use all this stuff. And so I just uh, picked up my first Airbnb in uh, Vegas. So uh, we're looking, you know, to get through that. That's, yeah, that's a little bit of a learning process for me. So that would be my first one. Um, I'm looking for subject to right now for me in Arizona, in Utah, some other different places. Um, so definitely investing. I mean, I've done wholesale before and done all that, but I'm looking for some long-term holds. Um, and so that is my, this year has been such a crazy year, but that's my goal going into next year is to really lock down um, some properties, get this business running, be able to step back a little bit, you know, and uh, that's kind of what I'm right now. And so where do you find your Airbnb in Vegas? Is it sub two? What's going on with that? Yeah, so basically just through the connections that I've made, I had a guy um, call me up, a gentleman, his name's Don Austin, and said, hey, you know, I would uh, love to work with you, um, like to go in half on this Airbnb. So I think just word of mouth um, and also being able to handle the transaction and everything like that. So I feel like um, that's been really nice to be able to just kind of you know, get my name out there and people wanting to do business with me. So and I thought it was a good way to do an Airbnb, right? Instead of it's my first time doing it, I didn't want to go in and have all that risk on my own. And so we're mm-hmm. able to go in together, have things, learn the process. Obviously, I reached out to, you know, Cody and Pace and all those people that are always um, a wealth of knowledge and help me out and give me their little tips and things like that. And so, but yeah, so that's, that's how that deal came about. That is so cool. Yeah. What do you take through the whole process one more time so people know the value that they're getting. I don't, because I've heard people like, oh, I don't need a transaction coordinator, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So talk about like, let's say a normal sub two deal, what you handle for someone step by step and you don't have to give away all your magic but and how much you take off of their plate. Yeah. 
and how much time you save them, which I think is money. Because if you're on the phone with the title company, you aren't talking to sellers. Right. Um, time, I don't even know how much time I spend on a deal because it's all um, very complex um, throughout, you know, doing it every day um, with the deal. But it, it looks like um, from the very beginning of uh, sub two is really helping you in the beginning make sure you have all the right information. So my job is if you are a closer, if you're an investor and you like going out and getting deals, that's your superpower, focus on that and let me handle the rest so that you can go out and close some more deals. So that's generally what I'm trying to do. So in the beginning, like I said, it's just helping you gather all that information. You're making sure you have the right numbers, making sure you have everything to disposition it, to close on it. Um, so it's gathering all of that and then your agreed terms that you have with the seller, I'll make some recommendations and I'll structure that all on a purchase contract to make sure that it's done the right way. Because we're in every state, there are some states that I do a lot of business in. So I know there are some different regulations and laws that we gotta abide by. Um, so I add that as value saying, hey, I know you didn't know this, but we're probably gonna need to draw this up on an actual uh, real estate contract. So I'm gonna provide, you know, different things like that. Drawing up the purchase contract and taking it literally step by step until we close from the acquisition to the disposition, working with the title companies, all of their paperwork, all the attorney's paperwork, coordinating everything like that and making sure that we close on time. And then in addition to that, everything that you need after closing, do you need a servicing company? Do you need to set up insurance? Um, you know, do you have an LLC open, you know, or do you, you know, do you have your S Corp under your LLC? So there's a lot of different value. Like I said, I, I really feel like it's more of a consult business than um, pushing papers around. And I feel like once you work with me, people realize, okay, now I get it. You know, now I understand, but that's basically what it looks like for a creative deal from start to finish. That is so cool. Thank you so much. And where can people reach you? the most, where you respond the most besides your website. I hope I spelled that right. Yeah, um, that would be the best place to reach me because they do have my um, info there at the support. If you have any questions, you could also email me at sub2transactions um, at Gmail. Uh, that would be a, you know, a place where I'm always on that email. Um, you know, you could reach me there. That would be awesome, a good you guys got a user, honestly. It's been a game changer for us, especially sub two wise, even wholesale wise, she can handle your contracts, handles talking to the title company, because again, most title companies don't look at your freaking file until three days before close. Yeah. At least she can stay behind them and make sure your deal gets pushed through. Yeah, absolutely. Love All right, you. thank you so much for coming on, Michelle. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Winning Move Podcast. I hope it helps you make all the right moves in your life and business. Please make sure to go like and subscribe on any podcast platform that you're listening to. And make sure to go follow me on Instagram at Strat Daddy. Thank you guys so much. I'll talk to you soon.